Hello and welcome to the Full Time Whistle podcast. And here is another Friday Night Ramble. It's been a while, uh, but this time Luke joins me. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good. I'm glad to be back, mate. It's been been a long time coming, I think. Yeah, no, it has been. Hopefully now we can say get kick-started, um, especially with the Premier League starting soon. Um, and say, if you're listening to this on Spotify, we can now be found on Apple Podcasts as well. So tell your friends, share it about. You've got us on two platforms now. So going forward, more, more choices, which is good. Season two and two platforms. Let's go for it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this is the third episode of our Friday Night Ramble. Hopefully we might start doing a few more of these, depending on who's available and stuff. And say, because it has been a while since me and you chatted, Luke, we've got a lot to kind of talk about. So where do we even start? Well, the first thing I'd like to mention is what I'm watching right now is the, the women, the England women, who are doing doing incredible so far in, in the Euros. And, I mean, I don't think I've seen a team play as well as us so far, so I'd, I'd like to think we've got a good chance. At, at the current moment, we're 2-0 up at half-time against Northern Ireland as well, which is is a good good place to be and already qualified for the quarters. Yeah, yeah. Saying the hardest game was supposed to be uh, the other day and they thrashed. Was it 8-0 in the end? 8-0, yeah. That was yeah, that was incredible to be honest, mate. Did you see much of it? Um, I kind of was going in and out of spells really. I was say I was at home with uh, with my parents, they were watching it, but I was say I was doing something else and then and then yeah, we ended up ended up watching the last bit of it. But yeah, what a game. Yeah, it was a hell of a game, hell of a game. But I think the 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 right place to start is with your boys. Last time we spoke, they were still championship team. Come on, yeah. fill us in, mate. What's happened? Well, we all know they've been promoted, but fill us in on what's happened since. I mean, it's just... I can't even... It's still hard to comprehend, really, that we're, that we're in the Premier League. Um, what a day that was. Best day. Best day of my life by far. Um, I was already 12 pints deep by the time we got to Wembley Stadium. Um, <laughs> How much of it do you remember? You know what? <laughs> Not out of being drunk. I just can't really remember the game itself because it just happened in a blur. Like I, I wasn't yeah. even in the stand for for the goal. I was down down at the bar getting the beers in half time. <laughs> um, but the celebrations afterwards um, were just incredible. I can only imagine what it was like. like there's been like these videos circulating of us like all dancing and singing along to a Free From Desire. Every time I watch that video back, I'm just goosebumps rise. Like, until we play kickoff against Newcastle in a couple of weeks' time, I think that's probably when it was sinking, or probably our first home game against West Ham. I think. Not, I was going to say, it's not the nicest of starts for your boys, is it? We, yeah, we've got... we've got. I don't know. We, I'm glad we're starting the way we are. Like It would have been bad if we started the, like, against the likes of Bournemouth and Fulham, who obviously yeah. played last season. So it's quite nice... Newcastle, West Ham, Everton, Spurs, then Man City. It's, that's a big. I always think, as a newly promoted side, you want to play City or Liverpool on the opening day because one, it's a massive game. But out of those four matches you're going to play against those two sides during the season, one of them's done already. Then, mm, I, yeah, I just think get it out of the way early. Get your, you, you're not going to be acclimatised. And look at Brentford last year; they had Arsenal early doors and beat them. They beat an opening day even. Yeah. So. Yeah, I always think it's nice to start hard because it means at some point during the season you should have the so-called easier games. But I don't think there is any easy games in the Premier League anymore, mate. Well, look at look at the way your boys are spending. Like some of the transfers you've made, I think have been been excellent piece of business. And mm-hmm. same with the other newly promoted sides. 
Yeah, I mean, say, I, it was always going to be hard for Forest because the amount of the amount of loan players that we had last season. Like, we're going to have to spend money off like our right back, left back, centre midfield, attacking midfield, and strikers were all on loan. <clears throat> so it's a massive rebuilding project. And say so we kind of work from the back. We've got Dean Henderson in first, followed by centre back, followed by Nico Williams. Um, and now great signing. I, I think so as well. I think great signing. I think obviously a lot of fans wanted Jed Spence, um, but I think his, as soon as Tottenham were interested, I think his head was turned. And I think yeah. fair play to him. He's got he's, he did well last first last season. We got no, there's no like negativity towards him. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, he's been offered Champions League football. It's what every player wants. Like, and the thing is that when you look at Spurs's right back positions, you can probably see Spence starting the majority of the games as well. Like Emerson yeah. Royale isn't great. Doherty doesn't really play that well there. He's probably more, I suppose, wing back maybe. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I think I think it's a it's a shame that he's left, but you can you can completely see the reasons. But not a bad replacement. I mean, Omar Richards as well on the other side is going to be yeah. good signing. And then the the one position I'm not quite sure on the minute for you, centre midfield. I know I know Yates has just picked up an injury. Mm. Um, it's, are you going to get Garner back on loan? Do you think? Was well, a lot of Forest fans are like rejoicing at the moment because he hasn't been playing for Man United in their pre-season. But apparently, he picked up a knock as well. <laughs> right. But um, I'd like to have Garner back. So we we apparently we're supposed to be signing Lewis O'Brien from Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, and uh, and Toffolo as well. So not only have we beat Huddersfield in the final, we're taking their two best players off him as well. And the two players that could have got penalties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like um, it was meant to be. I just think I think centre midfield is the most important area of the pitch in the Premier League, and I think that's. I think you need somebody. One of the players needs to have Premier League experience. Mm. I think if you're going in with a Yates and Garner, however good they were in the Championship, I feel like unless they hit the ground running, you need that little bit of Premier League experience in there. I don't I suppose you've got Jack Colback who can guide them through a little bit, who's been there and done it. But I, th- I feel like you need sort of somebody in their prime who's played in the Premier League for a few years. Maybe somebody who's sort of like an outcast at one of the bigger clubs, something like that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I wouldn't mind um, just having like somebody come in who's, say, he's probably in their, even the late 20s, 30s. A bit like when we got Steve Cook in January. Mm. It's just somebody who's got that experience and is a bit of a figurehead for us. Um so, yeah, I just think that's what we kind of need. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so we, it looks like we're probably going to be priced out of Morgan Gibbs-White now, which is... It's a shame. Which is a shame. Good, I, good player. Yeah, they say there's still rumours that he wants to play for Steve Cooper, but I don't know if it's... I think it's just more the monetary value. Is he worth £30 million when he's got no Premier League experience? It's The potential's there, but for a club like Forrest... £30 million pound could be spent a lot better. If you're Palace, for example, they need to replace Conor Gallagher, but they've got a load of Premier League experience around Gibbs-White. If Gibbs-White's coming in as Bar Johnson, the main man, that's a lot of pressure for somebody mm. who's not played a great deal of top-level football. Yeah, so the only thing that makes me nervous is the fact that we haven't been linked with anybody else. That's, that's my only worry. Um, but... Again, like our recruitment since Steve Cooper's came in and Dave Murphy, the, the chief execs, come in. We've say our recruitment's been great. There's not one player we've signed who 
who hasn't put in a shift and played well for us. So yeah, I don't think you've got to worry about that. I think it might might not be for the first couple of games, but I think you will end up with somebody there. Probably, I reckon you'll end up with another couple of midfielders, maybe O'Brien, and then hopefully you'll get that that Premier League experience. But I think you're the best set out of the new boys. I do. Bournemouth haven't done a great deal. Um, no. They still don't seem to be doing it. There's your obvious transfers you can see happening. Matt Phillips will end up back there at some point. Yeah. But other than that, I don't see Bournemouth linked with anybody. No, say say Fulham have done a couple of bits, but even like I've I've kind of found that Andres Pereira deal quite weird as well. It's like he hasn't really he hasn't really done much. He hasn't even played on loan in the championship really, has he? So no. So Great. I thought that that's a I know ten million pounds in, in football now isn't a lot of money for a Premier League side, but still think it's a huge risk. Yeah, I do. They signed that um Jao Polinia, who plays in midfield for Portugal, which I think is a good sign in, but yeah. The job that he does in his national team is completely different to what he's going to do for Fulham. He's got to be a protector. He's got to shield that back four. And I just don't think... I think he's a hold, He's a bit like a Jorginho. He's a holding midfielder that's used to having the ball, not used to defending. And I mm. don't know if that was the, what, the wisest move they could have made, but time will tell, I suppose. Yeah. And, I mean, um, so, yeah, going on to your club, though. So, Luke, so you've, you've got Sterling in. It's exciting, um, mate. It's exciting. It links with probably every... Brazilian player and any other <laughs> player that's leaving a, a club. Yeah, well, Koulibaly's a done deal as well. Yeah, We, we had the uh, the famous here we go from Fabrizio Romano, which is uh, always good. So that's done. And then Kimpembe seems to be the next one on the, on the list. So I think we're start, uh, similarly to you, I think once now we've got the Sterling deal out of the way, sort of building from the back, I think mm-hmm. it'll be Kimpembe next. And then there was talk of Ake, but that seems to have fallen through. Yeah. I really like the look of Levi Colwell. I know well, he scored the goal for you in the, so you you must like him a lot. <laughs> but I really like the look of him, and we play at three a.m. on Sunday morning, so it'd be interesting to see if he gets some minutes in the first team and, and how well we. I, I won't be staying up to watch it, but I'll see how well he gets on, or see what people say how well he gets on. But yeah, I think I think it's looking positive. It's looking exciting. I think I don't know about you, but I think Sterling's a great signing at that price as well. For mm. Forty-five million plus add-ons for a player who's banging his prime, mm. over a hundred Premier League goals already. And yeah, I yeah. Just think, well, I, I kind of saw what Kyle Walker said about him when he when he left, and he was saying he didn't get the praise he deserved at Man City. And I think that's I think that's totally true. And say just because I know sometimes he's he's not he's got a couple of wayward um, shots against goal, but say. His work rate and say the chances, yeah. And as you said, 100 Premier League goals in what is what 25? Yeah, uh, 27. Oh, 27. Well, still, he's still but got, that's his prime. Yeah, he's got loads of time left. And yeah, and I, and I think if he can play, if Chelsea play the false nine, which with kind of the players you've got in those attacking positions, it looks like that's probably more towards what you're going to go for next season. Well, Literally, a- they can just go across the three, can't they? There's a massive talk of a, of a formation change. All of sort of the journalists and the uh, the people that I follow who have sources within the club are all talking about a four three three. So they're all talking about a, a Havertz, Sterling, and and a one more. They want one more player, but that's going to be the main front three. Which, I mean, Havertz and Sterling's a great start to that. Who finishes it off will be interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's good because it'll allow Mount to actually play in his position because he is more. I think he's he's a weird, he's sort of like an eight and a half. He's not quite a, 
10, he's not an 8, he's somewhere in the middle of the two. And I think yeah. his best position is when he's got a holding midfielder behind him playing off the left and three of midfield. So yeah. it'll be it'll be interesting to to see how that goes next season. Having having Chilwell and Reese James back fit as well. Mm. I mean, you you boys know my love for Reese James, especially from the the, mm. the end of season awards. The the argument I put up about him and Trent, and don't get me wrong, Trent's world class, but Reese James put up the same contributions as him in sort of like ten less games. I'm so excited to see what he could do with a full season under his belt. I think yeah. I think we'll close the gap. I, I'm not expecting a title. Don't get me wrong. Like we're a couple of years away from that, but I'm, I'm expecting to close that. I think it was 19 points between us and City. If we yeah. get that down to about 10. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Before we have a brief chat about Ronaldo, you said you've got you've got obviously. You, I I feel harsh calling them fringe players, but. Obviously, you've got Conor Gallagher, who was on loan at Palace last season. You've got Broho, who was on loan at Southampton last season. And then, obviously, you just spoke about Colwell. Where do you see those players playing this season? Do you think that, do you think that obviously, you kind of want Colwell to stay, but Willie, and then, obviously, Broho's been linked with West Ham. Gallagher, does he stay? I think Gallagher's, Gallagher's a done deal. I think there was a statement released yesterday by, by Tuchel and also by Gallagher saying that he's staying around the team this season. Mm. Tuchel's told him he needs to earn his place and Gallagher wants to earn his place. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. Um, I think he could take himself to another level playing with those sorts of players. Um, In in regards to Cole Will, I'm so torn because I really want him to stay. I really want him to to get some minutes. Like you look at Trevor Chalaber last year, this time last year, he was virtually unheard of. And he played 38 games or something last season in all competitions. If we can get Colwell down the same path, I, I see no reason not to keep him around the squad. I think he could. I think he's well. I actually, I don't know how far fetched this is. I've only seen him play probably four or five times. But I saw a Chelsea. There's a Chelsea loan Twitter account who watches all the loan players, that sort of thing, and has said that he's one of the best talents he's seen come out of Cobham, which is a hell of a statement. Yeah, considering yeah. you've got your Mount, your Reece James, John Terry's, etc. But that's that's what they're saying. So I'd I'd love to see it. Um, and Broya, I'm not sure. I'd love to see him stay, but he wants game time apparently, and he's not up for a loan. So it's it's one of two ways. He's either going to be a part of the squad and get some decent minutes, or he's going to be sold. But yeah. what they're saying is any 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 one of the loan army from last year that's going to be sold will all pretty much all have buyback clauses on them. So that's interesting. Mm. I can see Broya being used and people are going to think I'm optimistic saying this, but I have one particular journalist that I follow and he's the only one who I actually believe when, like Chelsea source wise, not Fabrizio or any of them, but he's the only one that I actually believe when he says stuff about Chelsea because it pretty much 99% happens and there's mm. still talk that Declan Rice is going to happen this summer. Mm. There's a lot of stuff going on in the background. West Ham are denying it because obviously they want to keep the prices down at their end. They don't want yeah. people to know Rice is going because James Will Prowse, for an example, goes from 50 million to 70 million if Declan right. Rice is leaving. So if, if that's the case, I can see Broya being being used in that. I know West Ham have got interest. Um, mm. but I'm really unsure at the minute, mate. I, I think I'd like to see all of them get a chance, all three of the ones we spoke about get a chance. But the one I'd say keep an eye out for, Ethan Ampadu. Lot there's a lot of talk around him this year. We've with us going to potentially a a 4-3-3 with a holder. He can play centre-back, holding midfield and right-back. 
and right wing back if we play a five. So there's a lot of talk about him staying around the squad as a versatility man. I didn't realise he was still on loan from Chelsea. I thought he'd gone permanently to Sheffield. Uh, so he done he done Leipzig, Sheffield United, then he was at Venice in, in Italy last year. Oh, um, yeah. And he was incredible out there. Apparently he had some great stats. So we'll see. Again, I think pre-season's a, a big teller, but I think yeah. you want to talk about the main man, CR7, don't you? Hmm. Well, so that link's now been squashed that he was going, he was being offered to Chelsea. I think that was, I don't think that was realistic anyway. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I, I kind of feel, I kind of feel like this has kind of come out, I don't, it's hard to say it came out of nowhere, but I was surprised a little bit when he was being said that he was going to leave United because I think that he'd probably have one more season at United regardless. And it probably looks like that's probably still going to be the case, maybe. I don't think he's got a choice. I think the big the big problem was he wanted to play Champions League football. I think I think that was his biggest problem. But nobody in the Champions League who's good he wants to play Champions League and challenge for it. So you're down to what five six clubs. Yeah, and none of them wanted him. So what's he going to do? There's supposedly a, a massive offer on the table from Saudi Arabia, is what I read earlier. Mm, but yeah, cool. do you see him doing that? No, I kind of think from what. You kind of hear that he wants his swan song to be back at Lisbon anyway. So you kind of think that going to Saudi Arabia is just pointless. Yeah, I agree. And I just weird. As you said, say, oh, you've got PSG, but again, their, their spending's being watched like a hawk by Munich. I mean, say they just brought in money. They're still trying to keep hold of Lewandowski. Whether that will happen, I don't know. Because obviously, where's Barcelona getting all their funds from? Yeah, let's talk about this because this this is mad. How can they owe so many players wages and they've just spent sixty million on Rafinha? Yeah, oh, what, what a goal, mate! Oh, three nil. Go on, the girls. Um, One updates from Luke there and the scores now yeah. three nil to England. Live updates when this goes out in like a week's time. Everyone's going to be like, "What's no, no, it's, it's going out tomorrow, so Saturday will be it." <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think it's just mad. How can they keep spending all of this money? Where, where's it, where is it coming from? If, like, the agents and people like that don't even know where the money's coming from. Like, did you see... Um, who was it? I can't remember where it was now. It might have been Bayern. Where they're trying to buy Lewandowski, they wanted to pay in instalments, and Bayern have said, no, flat fee, pay it now, because we don't think they'll still be here in two years' time. Imagine yeah. Barcelona go bankrupt. <laughs> I know, I know. I've seen like stories on Twitter about like it's is this the end for Barcelona? Yet they're spending sixty million on on Rafinha, and say they're still being linked with Lewandowski for fifty four million, and and say that I, I just don't really understand it. So because like, the whole of La Liga has kind of got this spending cap now. It's like yeah. Madrid obviously got quite a good deal with Rudiger on on the free transfer, and say they haven't spent. Millions of pounds, like as you'd probably expect a big club to spend, because of this salary cap. But I say I don't know. Everyone's saying that they um everyone should boycott Spotify now, so Spotify don't get the revenue. <laughs> no, don't stay on Spotify and listen to the podcast. Yeah. Also available on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there's Nick, what I wanted to talk to you. Quick, quick, random subject to bring it up. I've just seen it while scrolling through Twitter. So Chelsea are on a US tour and when they release the squad, they said uh, Angola Kante and Loftus-Cheek aren't able to travel due to their COVID vaccination status. So basically they've not been jabbed. Fair enough, no problem with that. So Man City have released their squad today. 
And Gundogan, Foden, Stones, all absent, but with no confirmation mm. of why. What way would you rather... Would you rather a club be honest? Would you rather them make up an injury? Like, because it's not fair on the players that it has to be released, is it? Like, not every mm. Tom, Dick and Harry needs to know whether you've had the vaccine or not. Yeah, I mean, I've, you kind of thought that COVID was over, didn't you, in terms of this sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I mean... I don't think you should publicly name and shame players about their vaccination status. I think I think the only thing is it's quite easy to work out why they haven't travelled. I think that's probably going to be the easy things, um, especially on these US tours. I mean, obviously Champions League now it seems like it's easier to get into Europe now. But like I kind of as I've said that throughout the whole COVID process, I think it's whatever the person wants to do. I mean. I chose to get jabs. So I wanted to travel. And at the time, you needed jabs to travel into Europe. I wanted to see my family. So that's why I got jabbed. Um, and I say it's just personal choice. Like, everything's opened up now. I, I, you just have to say, I just think you should live with it. Like, me and my mum's yeah, got COVID I, at the moment. She's, she got it from a Drandran gig on Sunday. And she said she's feeling, <laughs> she's feeling a little bit ill, but she's not gone, oh, fucking, yeah, COVID and all this. Just... But the, the thing is now, like, we're, we're two and a bit years deep, aren't we? Like, Let's treat it like a cold, like a flu. We don't need numbers in the news every day. Have a jab once a year or however many times a year you need it. Leave it at that. It don't need to be spoke about. Like I think I just think it's embarrassing for the players that all right, yeah. they've not had a vaccine. So what? It don't matter. Like yeah. I know I know it sounds a bit a bit extreme, but should the clubs be thinking about this when they're booking their pre-season tours? Should mm. they go to a country where there's no restrictions? I mean, I, I kind of think that financially, that's kind of how they think. I think that they don't, I think for the sacrifice of two or three players and kind of the money they're getting from, the money they're getting from going to the US and playing these big games against big teams and stuff like that, I think, I think that's what... Yeah, I know what you mean, but it's like the Singapore, like there's teams out of Singapore, Thailand, that sort of place at the minute. And you don't hear anything about any of them players not going because of COVID reasons, so... I don't know. I just thought it was a bit. Just after reading that, it was a bit unfair that they've yeah named named and shamed them as such. Yeah, no, I say I, I agree on that. I don't think they should have been named and shamed either. But so I got a question for you. Who, okay. Who's your team wise? So club wise, who's the winners of the transfer window so far? Oh, tough question. Um... <laughs> I can't say Forest. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, though, they're, they're up there on my, in my opinion, to be honest with you. Um, I, I Spurs. I think Spurs. Um, Spurs have say they've they've identified areas where they need improving, um, and yeah, they they brought in some really good players as well, some really good quality well, players. The issue I have with the Spurs window, and I think I think don't get me wrong, there's been some great signings. How many? So we've, if we include Spence, because that's pretty much a done deal. How many of the six signings have made are upgrades? I wouldn't in terms of. I wouldn't necessarily Spence. say upgrades. I'd say upgraded as in a squad as a whole. But in um, a Champions League squad, like so, Fraser Forster, you you don't really compare that. Your spare keeper doesn't play too much. He's on a free transfer. You're probably not paying him massive wages. That's a good deal. That's a easy seven out of ten. Nice. Sorted. Spence, 12 million plus add-ons. Best, probably going to end up at the end of the season, the best right back at the club. Yeah, It's the rest of it. Basuma, good midfielder. 
better than their starting two in Benton Kerr and Hoiberg. Mm, I just I just think that what what Spurs needed and what they lacked last season was was the squad depth and the fact that they could change it around. And I think Conte's obviously identified that being in the Champions League, they're going to have to rotate their squad quite a lot. Um, so I, like, I think Perisic is a great, great signing to play down that left-hand side. Yeah. Um, again, on a free, I think the does that, did, does that disrupt Sessignon, though? Who, who was, he was just getting into his best vein of form towards the end of mm. I don't know, it's just, I, I think the business they've done is really good, don't get me wrong. And I think players like um, Richarlison, if there's a manager that's going to get the best out of him, it's probably going to be Conte because of mm. the way that he is. But 60-odd million, does he get in above the front three that they already have? Do yeah, you, I think that, that you know what I'm trying to say? Could, could they have done 30 million on a Richarlison-esque type of player that's going to sit on the bench, come on, can cover for Kane, can cover anywhere across that front three, and then have another 30 million where instead of getting Longley, who I don't think, from what I've only seen him probably three or four times, but from what I've seen of him, he's not amazing. Could they have gone out and bought, I don't know, another centre-back that's on the market at a minute for 40 million that improves yeah. that position? Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? Because I think they've got, an, they've got one of the best managers in world football. They need to start building one of the best squads in world football to succeed. And I, I feel like players like Richarlison and... Perisic, to an extent, just because of his age, sort of more sideways moves than than pushing that squad forward, if you know what I mean. I mean, I think, as you said, I think Conte's had his view and it looks, it actually sounds like Daniel Levy for a change is actually giving Conte what he actually wants. He didn't do that really with Mourinho. I think there's spells in the potch where he did, but I think, as I said, I don't know if you, you listened to the podcast I did with um, Flav from the Fighting Cock. I think Richarlison was the one he was surprised at the most, just of where about does he fit in with that front three? Yeah. But I think when you think about it, with the amount of games that Spurs are going to be playing, um, obviously Kane's had a good season last season, injury-wise. Um, yeah, it could be around the corner again, so you don't know yeah. what's going to happen. It's the so. first time they've had a natural, not like-for-like replacement, but somebody who could, if Kane was out for 10, 15 games... You know, Richarlison's going to score you probably eight or nine goals in that period of time. Yeah, that that's the. But it's like, could they have got that player cheaper? I'm not. I'm not sure. It's more of a question than a statement. Well, the thing was, there's always that, like the three, the three Brazilians, wasn't it? It's like, obviously, Jesus was like edging between Arsenal and Spurs, and then Richarlison was the same. Rafinha was getting linked with obviously Chelsea and Arsenal. Um. And I, I kind of think that the as of Spurs and Arsenal, I feel like the two players have gone to the right clubs out of the clubs they've been linked to. I think Jesus is a good fit for Arsenal. And I think that Richarlison will be a good fit for Spurs. I can kind of imagine like Son running down the left and then you've got Richarlison or Kane to cross to and then Kuzeski running down the right. You know what I mean? So I kind of think that... Yeah. I kind of think that... It'll be it'll be interesting to see by the time, by once Spurs have had a few games, so probably even by the time they play Forest, to see kind of what setup they will use. I think Richarlison's banned for the first game, isn't he? Anyway, he is, yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, kind of how they how they form. Yeah. Um, but again, I think, I think, I think Basuma, Basuma's their best signing, in my opinion. 
Well, the thing is, that kind of came out of the blue, really. Like, I know they, the signing literally just got announced. I know they're talking the past. Yeah. But, but I'm, I'm still not convinced he starts straight away for them because I think he's a good midfielder for Brighton. But, like, sort of like what I was saying about that Paulini earlier for Fulham, assume as a midfielder who's used to defending and not used to having loads of the ball. Whereas now he's got to adjust to being the other way around. He's got to be a, a holding midfielder that dictates play and starts starts the game, not yeah. breaks the game up. So I think he could be could be brilliant. Does he start straight away? I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I just always have question marks over Conte in the transfer window, mm. purely from when he was at Chelsea, because he made some amazing signings. Kante yeah. for 30 million. But he also made some stinkers. I think people forget he bought um, Danny Drinkwater. He bought uh, Ross Barkley. Not that the Barkley deal was bad money, but just was never going to be good enough for Chelsea. But then he mm. also bought Olivier Giroud, who was amazing for us. Like, mm. I don't know, I just have question marks over, over Conte and transfers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do want to talk to you about Manchester United in a second, um, but I'm just scrolling down, um, down through transfers and say a few things are just want to come up transfer-wise. Um, so, obviously, Mahrez has signed a new deal at Man City. Um, they are, yeah, let's just talk about Man City's ex. Obviously, they've got Haaland in. Um, obviously, a big money move there. Um, but it seems like they're kind of wanting to kind of get their core core around, say, Kelvin Phillips, which I was a bit... I was a little bit surprised at that move. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think City are just doing that thing where there's a quality player that could go elsewhere, but no, we're just going to buy him. Like, mm. I think David Moyes said that they West Ham bid him more. And I mean, if you're Phillips, it's a no-brainer. Like, although you'd start probably week in, week out at West Ham, are you going to win the amount of trophy? It depends what you're going for. It's like Harry Kane. He wanted to go to City because he wanted to win trophies. He didn't mm. want to go to City because that's the club he's always dreamt of playing for. Like, you, there's there's differences. I think Phillips one's weird, but is there a better replacement for Rodri? Possibly not. If you take if you take if you take Declan Rice out of the equation, is there a better holding Declan Rice, Fabinho, Rodri, three best holding midfielders in the league? They weren't going to buy Fabinho or Declan Rice, so Calvin Phillips is probably the next on that list, in my opinion. Mm. So I, th- I think. They're doing what they're good at, City, and it's making sure that if they they do come up against any problems, they're covered. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's a good time for England because I think Pep can take him to the next level. Mm. And the same with they obviously they've got John Stones, they've got Carl Walker, they obviously they've just lost Sterling. But from from a City point of view, I think them having English players is always going to help the national side. And that's and that's the thing, obviously linking up them forward wise with Foden and Grealish is obviously. Sterling going, we we'll, might see a bit more Grealish next season as well. I think next year's his year. I, I think it was always going to take him a year to adapt. And you find that a lot with players at City, that it's always their second season that's their best. Look yeah. at Rodri last year. Perfect example. First season, he was good. Second season, last year, he was incredible. And then you, you'll find that with Grealish, I'd imagine. I think that'll happen. I don't know if we can put Haaland in the same bracket. I think he's going to be amazing wherever he goes. Yeah. The one I'm interested in seeing is this Julian Alvarez. Mm. I keep toying with putting him in my fantasy Premier League side because he's mm. he's like, and I'm a big 
big fantasy Premier League head. I don't know about yourself. Maybe you will be more this year now, Forrester, in it. But I have, um, I, I, I have spells. I'm like, I'm like by seasons. I'm interested. So last year's I wasn't interested, but the season before I won it. So yeah, maybe we should actually do one between us, shouldn't we? As well, should I? Yeah, we should. I think we should do a, a an episode just before the season starts. I mean, I'm, I'm big into it, and I keep toying with Alvarez. He's one of them. It's like, can I see him starting? No, but if he has a good run, will he play? But it's just it's pet roulette, isn't it? Like you just don't know, you don't know who's going to play. I'd like to see Grealish play more. What I'd like to see this season is Foden have one position. Yeah, yeah. He's twenty two, twenty three now. Like, what's his best position? Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always liked him. He plays kind of more in that number ten role, but kind of. Man City don't really play that really. So they kind of play their four three three, which you can kind of see now will be Rodri and Phillips. Where does Bernardo Silva fit in? Because obviously Pep's so keen on keeping Bernardo Silva. I, I don't think Phillips will play. I think Phillips will be a rotation option. I think mm. it will still be the De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Rodri. Yeah. But no, Foden, Foden's tricky. I, I prefer him off the right. But the thing is, we've got Mario signing a new deal. Exactly. So Grealish is more left-sided, so Foden can play across. And and so obviously you said about um, your man then, but then obviously you've got Haaland, obviously he's going to be a vocal point. Exactly. It's it's mad, isn't it? It's just, it's sort of like a problem having too many good players in a way, isn't it? um, Yeah, it's like when you're in mode and you sign too many players and you don't know who to put in. (laughs) Let's uh, let's go let's go Man U because something that's fresh today is Christian Eriksen. What do you yeah. think about that situation? Um, good move for United. I think he's good, good, really good move for United. Um, I kind of I had a feeling when we spoke about it um, towards the end of last season. I, I was I was thought he'd definitely go back to Spurs. Um, I did. So. I feel like as a second option, I think it's a good move for Manchester United. I feel a little bit sorry for Brentford. Um, I thought he owed them. Yeah, but I, you kind of just, you could tell that he obviously was above the rest there. And I think if he wants to play, he's obviously he's 30 now. He's bounced back from his from his heart problem. I think he just wants to be competitive. Obviously, United not being in the Champions League, obviously during the Europa League, he still can play play European football. Um, but I did think that the Conte-Spurs move would have been a match made in heaven for him, but obviously Conte had different plans. Yeah. I, I just thought it was very strange. Mm. But I, just, I don't know. Because like, I see it like, I mean, he's pretty much had a near-death experience, hasn't he? So you're going to want to try and get the most out of what's left in your career. But could he have done another year at Brentford to sort of repay the faith, keep him in the league? Give him that chance to not have second season syndrome, mm-hmm. and then gone to United for two years after that. Like he signed a three year deal. Yeah, I, 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 I don't I probably, know. I probably think it's the other way around. I think that it wouldn't surprise me if he, if, if Brentford is still in the Premier League, or if they go down and come back up again, he, he'll go back again to repay that favour. Yeah, I just maybe. think that, I think at the state in in the form he was in at the end of last season, and then probably personal ambitions now he's had that experience. I think that he just wanted to play for a for a top six side, show what he's show what he still can do. 
And um, and and again, so I think it's probably the Ten Hag effect there because Ten Hag brought him straight back into Ajax to train with as soon as he was ready and couldn't train with Inter Milan. Um, and so, yeah, and I kind of think that's <laughs> the Ten Hag effect with every player that Manchester United are being linked with other than... Other than uh, yeah, they, they might as well just buy Ajax as a club and just use all their players. But um, talking I mean, of the... The, the Ten Hag effect, I've seen a lot of Man U fans getting a bit ahead of themselves with their start to their pre-season results. What, what do you think about them as, as a whole in terms of what they're going to do this season? The, the players they're linked with, I'm bored of the Frankie de Jong story. Mm, I know, same. Um, I mean, you just don't, you still don't, you're still not fully, I'm still not fully convinced really. Because um, obviously you've got an unsettled Ronaldo who hasn't even gone on tour. Rashford's form wasn't great last season. Sancho's form was up and down. Um, I think he'd probably have a better season this season. Um, and so your mate Fernandez, he, um, I say, if you get him in good form, you again you're going to do well. But I don't know. There's still their midfield. I still think is too shaky. I think that. Fred McTominay, Van der Beek. You need you do need somebody else in there, or even two players in there. I don't, I don't think they're. I don't think any of them are. are they're not going to get you titles. I don't think. No, and I mean Fred. Fred's a box to box at best. He's not a holder. Uh, I saw something. Uh, Ten Hag said the bit Van der Beek is best in a ten, so he's best in a ten. That's where Fernandez plays. It's where Ericsson plays. Mm. Who's gonna? They need a defensive midfielder. They don't yeah. seem to be linked with one. Going for one, De Jong again, not a, not a defensive midfielder. McTominay don't get Aaron started on him, but he's not a defensive midfielder. He, according to Aaron, he's not even a Premier League midfielder. But yeah, yeah, I, I just think the strategy from them, what I've seen so far, well, there isn't one. This is the problem. I think they're mm. going. They're, they're linked with midfielders pretty much. That's about. That's about all they're linked with. They've, They've signed a left back, so they've now got three of them. I just don't get it. I saw today yeah. one one Bissaka hasn't even featured today against Melbourne victory, so he's going to be out. I don't know. I just think it's all very weird, and you've only got yeah, three weeks till the season starts. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's. I, I kind of think that this season, it, this window is it's just a bit weird in terms of who, who clubs are going for, and I think say, Chelsea. Have, Starting or are doing good business now. We mentioned Spurs. I think Arsenal getting Jesus in, and, and say some of the players they're getting linked with. I think obviously more suited to Arteta's style of football. Man United just seem like they're being left behind in so many different aspects now. Um, and say the more the closer the season comes, I think the bigger project that Sam Hag's got in his hands. Exactly, and I mean, they beat Liverpool 4-0 the other day, all right, great. But I mean, they, they scored three of them when they were playing against Liverpool's under-18s. All right, they scored an extra one when Liverpool's makeshift, their, their normal 11 come on, pretty much. They've been on the field for about 45 seconds and they scored. They haven't even got into position. So I think it's a little bit, taking it a little bit out of context, the fact they've beat Liverpool 4-0. Martial is like the pre-season Messi He's like always amazing in pre-season, scores goals, and then like he's just not good enough. Rashford looks pretty lively. I'd like to see him get back to his best, but 
like you say, I, I think Man U are starting to get caught by West Ham. And if the, the tra- transfer window goes the way it's going, West Ham get that centre-forward in they need and, and the other midfielder they want, mm. I think West Ham could catch them unless, unless United pull their finger out. I know yeah. we've got sort of six to seven weeks of the window left, but we've only got three weeks of that till the Premier League starts. Like You'd like to think, especially the core of your team will be settled by then, and then you'll have a few fringe players going out and a few others coming in. But yeah. man, you have got a lot to do in that period of time, I think. Mm. Now, the, the, the way you kind of see it going is you, you kind of see, it kind of happens with United a lot, is deadline day. And then it's a scramble for scramble for players at ridiculous prices. Um, I would say the Frankie de Jong situation, as I say, that's just been going on for too long now. Like it's, it's boring, no, isn't it? It's, yeah, there's no there's no bunch, and it's like they've agreed a fee, but it's now de Jong's personal terms because he doesn't want to leave Barcelona. Why would you keep going after somebody who doesn't want to play for you? I mean, after Lukaku last season, I can safely say to you. You do not want a player that doesn't want to play for your club because it brings down the atmosphere massively. And he's come out today and said, oh, like, I, uh, I should never have left Inter. No, and you're not the only one regretting that, mate. I think anyone linked with Chelsea's regretting that. Like, yeah. I just think, from a United point of view, De Jong, if he doesn't want to come, right, you've got rejected, leave that one alone, go for somebody else. Yeah, I'd say the only... The only benefit that Chelsea kind of got is that it was Roman Abramovich who paid the 80 million and say the new owners don't have. Exactly. That's why the, the new owners yeah. don't care about losing the money on him. And the same yeah. with same with Kepa, the same with anyone. Like it's funny when you got like rival fans going, How hey, you bought Lukaku for 100 million or whatever it was. All right, mate, ain't my money. Like I'm not bothered. Yeah, exactly. we, we lost 60, yeah. 70 million. He probably got us half of that in shirt sales anyway. Like, do you know you know what I mean? This yeah. It's, it's that sort of thing. When, yeah, when I like, do find it funny when people try and like sort of tease rival fans. Oh, you spent X amount, mate. It's not my yeah. money. They what the club can do what they want to do. They they're the ones losing the money. I, it's kind of what I know. We say we kind of we've already spoke about Chelsea a little bit, but how do you kind of because I like I haven't really been paying much attention to it to be honest. Have you seen much change so far in terms of? The, the goings on at Chelsea, what, what can you like foresee happening there? I mean, the atmosphere from the pre-season training looks incredible. Not to say it wasn't good last year, but it looks like that they're a team. It looks like they're together. There's still mm. players on the way out. I think I think Lukaku was a bad egg, and I think he brought players down around him. Uh, players like Ziyech, who he's very close with, I can imagine sort of being a bit like a sidekick. He's on his way out. He's going to AC Milan by the looks of it. Um, I don't know. I think it's the first window where Tuchel's really had a chance to put his stamp on things and he's getting the say-so with every transfer in and out. So you'd like to think he'll start shaping the team exactly how he wants it. And it's the first time for a long time that I can remember with Chelsea that player power is not a thing. It's been a a well-known fact for years that player power at Chelsea is overridden. Um, and, And for once, it's nice to know that it's going to be players going and not the manager. Like, I just don't think you're going to get a better manager for the club. Like, it's like Pep, he suits City. Klopp suits Liverpool. Tuchel just suits us. He just fits in. Cooper with you guys. Like, you, you know what I mean? Certain yeah. managers just fit in and you just want, I, I don't know about you, you've, you've had some 
good managers, maybe some bad ones in your time uh, supporting Forest. But you just, when, when you've got a good one, you just you take him over any player. And I don't think there's a player in that squad that I would be bothered about losing if I had the choice out of him or losing too short. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, say Forrest have had some fucking dross. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I have to say, yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying. Um, so before we kind of move on to um, some Friday ramble um, features that me and Aaron created from the first episodes, obviously you're, you've been your debut on the Friday ramble. Is there any other transfers or any other clubs you want to talk about? No, I think I think we've covered covered a few things. I think we're going to cover cover the clubs in more of a, a detailed and less a, a bit more a bit more structured uh, topics in the next few weeks. So yeah, we we can move on to some rambling, mate. I'm, I've just cracked open a beer, so let's let's go for it. Nice. Um, so so me and Aaron kind of spoke about our like fun experiences um, when we first did the fr- uh, Friday night ramble. Um, so what what's kind of your best footballing experience? What say what would you say is the best game you've you've witnessed? Are we, are we talking sentimental or are we talking like atmosphere? Um, I don't know. Maybe just tell us both. I mean, sentimental. I think you've got to look at any sort of cup final. I've been to been to a couple of couple of cup finals where I've seen Chelsea win. So any I could pick any one of them to be honest. Uh, Atmosphere-wise, did Barcelona away? That was, you know, when like you watch it on telly as a kid, and when like I've got an image of like Messi scoring, and you hear, you know, when you hear the crowd at Barcelona go, oh, like that noise. Hearing that in person was insane. But the first leg of that tie was at home, Chelsea at home to Barcelona, and any probably any non-Chelsea fan probably wouldn't even remember the game. But um, we were complete underdogs. It was uh, Conte was the manager, and Barca's front three was Messi, Suarez, weren't Neymar? Is it Griezmann? Maybe might have been Griezmann. Um, and it was just like going into the game. It was like we are going to get absolutely peppered. Like, mm-hmm. and then we turned up within a half hour. We'd hit the bar, and Willian within the space of five minutes had hit both posts. He hit one, then he hit the other. And after that, you know, like when you come so close, the atmosphere just goes electric. And then at the other, uh, so that's, that was just before half time. Second half, um, the ball comes out to him on the edge of the box and he fires it into the bottom corner. And it just went insane. And it was the best atmosphere I've seen at a Chelsea game, but without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. It was just, it was just insane. Um, I'm just trying to think because I've been to watch other clubs like Ipswich and stuff like that. Just trying to think. I've been. Newcastle away, what a stadium! Mm. Have you been there? No, no, it's uh, it's, it's always been on my bucket list, but it's um, it's a bit too early. Say it's our first game in the Prem, and I say it's a bit too early for me to to get up there, unfortunately. Um, the 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 trek up the stairs, mate. I'm not even joking when I say it took us about twenty minutes. Mm. I think it's famous of how high up you are, but I think you say Carragher and Neville did like a running race up there, didn't they? Yeah, they did, they did. But so we was there with Ipswich when Newcastle were in the championship. And um Iosi Perez was playing for Newcastle and they went one nil up in three minutes by Perez and we missed the goal and we started going up at about ten two, quarter two. It was just yeah, it was, it's just an absolute track. But the atmosphere is incredible. Um it was 
you know, um, obviously Ipswich and Newcastle have got a link through Sir Bobby Robson. And it was what they call Sir Bobby Robson Day, the first time Newcastle and Ipswich had played for years. And it was just incredible, chanting his name all game, the atmosphere. I've never seen two sets of fans so united either. It was yeah. so... It's not always what you want at a football match, but it was so amicable. And, like, yeah, just it was just all for, obviously, such a great influence in the game. And, uh, yeah. yeah, no, they're, they're probably the, the best experience I, experiences I've had at games, mate. Yeah, and... Moving on from that, who's the best player you've seen live? I'm not going to include Messi and Ronaldo because it's just obvious. Yeah. Oh. Because say being a Chelsea fan, you've had quite a quite a I've had a few. Through, through I'll Chelsea. go. I'll go one. I'll do one Chelsea and I'll do one England, and I'll do one opposition if that makes sense. Yeah. So the the Chelsea players, Hazard, just what that bloke could do with a ball was 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 a joke, like. Just mm. get gets you on your feet, that sort of player. Uh, England's got to be Wayne Rooney, I think, for me. Rooney just, just so under... Like, the way that people speak about him now, and I just don't think he gets the credit. Like, the guy mm. was insane. The technique he had, and to burst on the scene at 16 years old was just mad. Yeah. Um, and then opposition... I'm going to go Iniesta, I think. That's, that's just... What... what oh. What a player, mate! Just insane. Mm. Yeah, I, I've been quite fortunate. I've seen some. I've seen some really good players play, and I've well, I've seen the two best players ever in in Messi and um, Ronaldo. So yeah, I, I can't complain at that at all. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I said Ronaldo. To be fair, thinking back, and um, so obviously being a Forest fan, I don't get to see. <laughs> I don't yeah. get to see many. Very it's a bit off piece, but what games are you looking forward to? If there was one home game, one away game that you think realistically you're going to go to this season, for players that you're going to see and the teams themselves, what are the ones you're looking forward to the most? Um, I'm really looking forward to... I'm looking forward to Spurs. Spurs, because say it's the connection I've got with Spurs. Um, say a lot of my... Two of my closest friends, both Spurs fans... Um, Kind of going to Tottenham quite a lot as a as a kid. Um, I'm looking forward to look forward to that game. Um, and still, like let's say, like Manchester United is still such a strong appeal as well. Like, they might not be in in the same condition they they once were, but again, the the game still has so much pull to it. Um, so yeah, I definitely would like to try and get to. United away. Um, Is there any but, any stadiums on the agenda that you've not been to that you like? Yeah, I fancy that. Um, I'd like to tick off a few more London stadiums. I've never been to West Ham. Um, I was going to go when you went that time, but I was fucking glad I didn't. Um, yeah, that, that was dire that game. That was Newcastle, wasn't it? That was yeah. That was one yeah. of the worst. Anyway, you asked me for the best. That was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just saying, just looking down our fixtures. Um, I'd like to go to Anfield. Say, I'd, I'd, I'd love to go to Anfield. Um, but the two games I'm saying I'm probably most looking forward to is going to be our derby games. Like getting the Forest Leeds game is always good in the Championship. Sometimes even better than the derby game. Um, so I'm glad that that rivalry is back. Um, say, so yeah. So the atmosphere of those games are, are great, and then and then Leicester as well. Um, Say, Especially after, after you talked to them last season. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, say every game, this is like, so, bar Fulham and, and, uh, and Bournemouth, I couldn't, we're not, Forest don't have a great relationship with Brentford because their fans are all bothered about XG. Um, <laughs> so, I think any, any other game, I'm saying, is going to be, I'm saying I'm looking forward to it, really. Um, what about, like, sort of from a player perspective? Is there any players that you've never seen live that you're like, I'm really looking forward to seeing him come to the sea ground? It's going to be mad seeing most people come to the sea ground, to be fair. Like, I especially see, like, when we had Liverpool there, um, it was, like, weird seeing, like, the likes of Van Dijk, um, like, even, like, Mane, Firmino. Uh, I don't think Salah, Salah didn't play. Um, but seeing, seeing those people at the city ground um, but then like you can't wait for Haaland to come and play and yeah, and like when Man City come I think that's going to obviously be be amazing and I'm saying I like, can't I've, wait I've, to I've, see Steve Cook head for Haaland <laughs> well I mean I'd just love to see Jackie Colback dominate Riyad Mahrez down the down the left like he did a <laughs> Like he did again. Who I, I forgot who played again. I think I thought he played down the, the right hand side for Liverpool, but for that game. But I would say it's, it's going to be such a weird feeling, especially yeah, those big games. I I'm supposed to be a Reading festival. Well, I'm I'm at Reading festival for when we play Spurs, and at home. So I think I'm going to leave the final day of Reading festival and go back to Nottingham to watch the game. I don't think I could miss right. that game. But the thing is, because. Although you've done really well in the in the window so far, and I do think you'll probably stay up, it's not guaranteed. You don't know how many times you're going to get to see this. Like, it's not like mm. you're uh, an Everton, you're an established Premier League side, or, or a team like that that you know oh, is always next season. Like, you've got to make the most of every game. Yeah, no, exactly. And I say the crowd's going to be so pumped up. Say the buzz around the city first. Well, for ever since Cooper came in, really, but like it's a sold-out city ground every game from January. Um, say this, the waiting list for tickets now is endless. Um, the celebration we had in the city centre after the after the cup final, uh, after the cup final, after the the playoff final win. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be explosive for Forest and and say normally the team that comes up in the playoffs do better than the teams get promoted. Um, so hopefully there's a bit of syndrome there. But again, Steve Cooper's a really good manager. He's the best manager we've had, I hate to say it, since Brian Clough. Um, well, Brian Clough, Frank Clark era. Um, so let's just see. I say, I, I say there's no expectation really for Forest. Say we haven't been in the Premier League for 23 years. Exactly. There's you no you real... stay up, it's, it's amazing. You go down, people expect it. Like it's a, it's a win-win, really. Like you, you don't lose in this scenario. Like I just, I just think there's worse teams on paper than than you. I think, yeah, I think Brentford are in trouble, mate. I say you got Brentford. I think I don't think that I don't, can't see. Le- I don't think Leeds will have. I think Leeds will struggle again this season. Fulham are um, another Norwich. Yeah, exactly, and and uh, like even Everton, like they're not. They kind of sold Richarlison to source out their debt, and like they've been linked with like Corne from from Burnley, and some of the players they've been linked with. They're not players you kind of expect to 
take no, them to where they want to be. And I've never been convinced with Lampard as a manager either. Um, so I think, yeah, as you say, there's, there's a lot worse, worse teams than Forest. Um, but again, let's kind of see how we play on the field. Yeah. As usual, we've gone off piece. Is there um, is there more more ramble questions for me? <laughs> you know what I can't even remember. It's been so long since we <laughs> did a ramble. I know that me and Aaron spoke about uh, players. Um, we did speak about our match day routine, which was quite funny. Because um, I, I was saying, it's kind of like my normal match day is, say, it's standard three o'clock is, uh, which won't be the same in the fucking Premier League anymore. Um, one of the downsides being the Premier League looking forward to the Monday night football when I'm in a different city Super um, Sunday yeah I know that's the thing like West West Ham and Spurs both Super Sunday games now but I oh will um, so yeah what's so like my, my match day experience is get to the pub about half twelve a few beers and then get to the ground about 15 minutes before if we've got time for a quick one one there half time back out afterwards what's kind of your match day routine so it's a bit different for me because being a Chelsea fan, it's very rare we're a Saturday three o'clock. I think mm. we normally have three or four of them a season and half of them are going to be away. So I'll do sort of like a, a, a standard standardish yeah. one will be sort of normally I try and go to a lot of the Champions League games, that sort of thing, because yeah. the, the way our ticketing is done, that's where you get the best naughty points and then to buy more tickets, that sort of thing. Um, so it'll be normally working during the day get off work a bit early, get up there. So get on the train, get up there, try and have a, try and get in the ground early doors. Champions League's no beer. That's the only problem with the Champions League. Nights. Really? UA for nights, no, no alcohol. So uh, normally, well, not normally, last season, my missus has started coming with me. So we go, she likes to, or we both like to have a little look in the club shop, that sort of thing, go in there, get in the ground, just sort of get your dinner and, uh, like pie or a burger or your chips or whatever, get in the ground, try it. We normally sit sort of um, where the players warm up. I, I don't know about you, I like watching. It's a bit different when you can have a drink before the game. But on the nights where you can't have a drink, I like watching like the shooting drills, that sort of thing. You sort of see, I think you can sort of see if they're going to be up for it that night. You know what I mean? You get that sort of feel yeah. for it. Um, or if it's a Premier League game or a cup game or something, try and get up there a bit early, try and have a, couple of drinks beforehand and then yeah just get in and watch the game I'm, I'm doing this you'll know I love I love football so whether they're warming up or whatever I just like watching them play football I just like like seeing them play so I try and watch the good parts of the warm-up you don't want to see the running or any of that crap but like the the little rondos and the shooting drills and that sort of thing like I think your experience is a bit different in the championship it's a lot more Lot more alcohol orientated, I think. Yeah. I, I know that from I know that from the uh, from the Ipswich days out because I'll tell you one, here you go. So we was we was away at Brent, Ipswich. I said when I say we, we were away at Brentford. I don't know. This got to be four, maybe five years ago. This is the old old Brentford. Yeah. Oh, at the time, the only the only club you've probably been to Griffin Park, yeah. At yeah, the time, the only club in the EFL out of the ninety two teams that didn't sell alcohol as well. Weirdly, mm. so. This is one of the, the first part is one of the most embarrassing stories of my life. So I, I live in Essex. So we went into Weatherspoons. Met it was a meeting there for nine a.m. in the Weatherspoons before. So a breakfast and a pint was a plan. Uh, me and me and one of my mates get in there, and it's quarter to nine. 
try and get the breakfast in a pint. We get rejected for a beer in Weatherspoons. I didn't think that was possible, but you, they don't start serving it till 9am. So that, <laughs> that started badly. But yeah, so we, we get in there, we have a couple of, couple of beers with, with the breakfast, get on the train up to London. It's like 45 minute train into London. Um, no Liverpool Street well. Yeah. Hamilton Hall. Got to be done for a London away day. So oh, I, I didn't know that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the pub on the corner as you come out the train station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. again yeah. another Weatherspoons. I like to keep it classy, mate. Clearly, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we we get we get in there. It's the sort of the Ipswich meeting point for away games in London. So we had a few in there. Then get on the train to to Brentford. Uh, there's a little you know the little pub on the corner just as you walk into the ground. Um, which corner? Which corner? <laughs> uh, every corner. Walking down from the station, I know you got to walk through like a council estate sort of thing. And then you're probably, I don't know, two, three hundred yards before the stadium. There's a pub on the left-hand corner. No, yeah. it might be called the Griffin, actually. Uh, not, not completely sure on that. So it was in there, a few drinks. And then we get in the ground to have a couple of drinks before the game. And they're like, oh, we don't serve beer. So we're all absolutely fuming because we've gone in the, we've gone in the ground an hour early. So you, you're sort of sobering up a bit. Game was shit, blah, blah, blah. We left early because... The game was rubbish. No, there was no alcohol. So it was like, right, let's let's get back. So we went back into London, a few more drinks, got on the train back to where we was going out for the night in, in Essex. Um, everyone was starting to sort of sober up and get hangovers on the train back because we'd been drinking since nine o'clock that morning. And yeah, we we went back out and was out till 3am. We'd done, yeah, we was out for like sort of 18 hours. It was a very, very nice away day. But the difference between... The championship that was the championship at the time. The difference between the championship and the Premier League is, is mad because yeah. you don't have those guaranteed three o'clock kickoffs on a Saturday. Yeah, you can't always do that. So, like I say, like I don't think I've been to a Chelsea three o'clock game for probably five six years mm. because we don't really have them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing I'm going to miss the most from from this now. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm quite lucky because I've I've kind of, I've changed jobs now, so I'm not a regular Monday to Friday nine to five anymore. So it means that my boss is going to give me a bit of flexibility in terms of going back for Forest games. So that's good. Big up Gary, thank you, Gary. And, yeah, um, I'm quite lucky. My boss is a Chelsea fan, so when when I want to swan off at four o'clock on a on a Tuesday night to go and watch a Champions League game, he's not bothered at all. As long as I bring him back a program or something for his boys, he's, he's happy. <laughs> yeah. As long as he's not jealous and going, no, fuck off, you're staying away. <laughs> uh, I try, I, if I've ever got a spare, I offer it to him, but it's very rare. Yeah. Well, I think we've been rambling on for quite a while. Um, it's been good to do a ramble with you, with you Luke. Um, yes, mate. Very good. Hey, obviously, we are hoping for more content to start coming out shortly. We're in the process of organising things to get some more regular um, yeah. stuff out the season. We've got more stuff to talk about now, haven't we? And Season's just around the corner, so we've got some previewing to do, and I think yeah. we need to do. We need an FPL video to come out, I think, and I yeah. think we should have some type of predictions video as well that we can look back on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, if you've got any suggestions, please let us know um, on our Twitter or Instagram or wherever you find us. Um, let us know if you want us to talk to anyone in particular about any particular club. Um, if you haven't, if it's the first time you're listening, check out our previous bunch of podcasts um there's one of the hosts jack monahan who seems to be quite good with uh with some guests um, 
Do you think you say you did a good one with uh, with um, the West Ham guy that time as well? So hopefully... Yeah, we we actually was one of the first podcasts that got Ben Jacobs on, who is oh. now an incredibly famous uh, journalist after a lot of the coverage he's had in the last few months. But I, I noticed the other day for some reason we haven't got the episodes up, so that's something we need to look into. Oh, really? Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about this um, off air. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. Thank you, Luke, for joining us and say stay tuned for more full time whistle and we'll uh, we'll see you next time.